Merry Christmas, everyone. This is Scott Powell from The Word on the Hill with the Lanky Guys. And this week we have a well-aged podcast, a a rerun from 2013, where Father Peter and I were discussing the same exact readings that you're going to hear this coming Sunday for the Feast of the Epiphany. So um, it's a great podcast. Enjoy it. We'll be back live and in person next week. And until then, enjoy this like you would a piece of fine-aged cheese or wine. So Merry Christmas, and we'll see you then. You're drowned by my perfect fire, my perfect life. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Word on the Hill. My name's Father Peter Musset. I've got it here. Oh, I'm Scott Powell. <laughs> totes awesome. It's Totes. Did I say I'm Scott Powell? No. Either way, I am. And this <laughs> is We're the Lanky Guys. And you're listening on the Feast of the Epiphany. or Epiphany of the Lord. Actually, you know what I've been finding? I've been inquiring amongst the holy people of God. Your keys is one thing you've been finding. Dude, I found the keys <laughs> after like much. three months, man. I knew I didn't three lose Three months? Yeah. That's a, how did you get into anything? Well, I got another set of keys. Oh. Yeah. That's a lot of keys. But I knew they were misplaced. Okay. I didn't. Clearly. I knew they were not lost. Yeah. All right. So we're in the Epiphany and we are, we have some great readings. Our first reading, as you wipe your face, comes from the book of Isaiah. It does. It does. Isaiah chapters 1 through 6. Dude, does Isaiah know how kind of big No, I'm sorry. Chapter 60, 60. verses 1 through 2. 6. (laughs) (laughs) Chapter 60, verses 1 through 6. Does Isaiah know what? Does he know how sweet he is? Probably. I mean, he is dead, so he he gets it all. He's alive. In Christ. Oh, yeah. So then we go to Psalm 72. Psalm 72, which is great. Verse 1 through 2, 7 through 8, 10 through 11, 12 through 13. Wow. Yeah. And that's it. Oh, hold on. I didn't complain last time about what I was going <sighs> to complain about, about the psalm. Last time? Last week? Yeah. What were you going to complain about? What's wrong with the psalm last week? No. We, okay, this is what I hate. Families. No. Because that's what it was about. No, no. <laughs> work. No, no. Um, no the I, dignity of work you hate. No. No. Holy things. Sorry, you, sorry, sorry. You... I'm having fun. It's banter. This is what we do. <laughs> is that what this they call this? You're fired. Oh, <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> See, that's banter. I can put it on one of my cup holder things that says, "I was fired for banter." <laughs> oh yeah, we got these like we, these got these designators for, so you can know which cup you have at a party, hmm. and then you write stuff on it, and and uh, that's what um, I put I put on one of my employees' glasses at this last party. I was fired for awesomeness, and they and which then, she felt uncomfortable with because you were her boss. <laughs> I know. It was totally awkward. But what I don't like is when they take the verse from the psalm yeah. and they just tweak it slightly oh. from what it says in the psalm. Just use the psalm line. It's a little strange. I like because then I'm always confused at the psalm response anyway. No, I can see that. Why? 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 I don't know. <laughs> the second reading is from the book of Ephesians, chapter three, verses two through three, a, and five through six. A. Actually, a. I lied about that other a. <laughs> what other a? Oh yeah, just one a. Only just one. one a. It's it's there there. It's it's in the top league. Decorative. It's not double a. No, jeez. Uh, and then finally from Matthew. 2, 1 through 12, which is actually symmetrical if you look at it. Oh, it's a it's a palindrome. Yeah. Okay, let's go. Okay. Isaiah chapter 60. So we're in the epiphany. So what, what the epiphany, I mean, <laughs> the reference point, the common reference point for this week's readings is going to be the, the, the wise men. Which, what travel. does epiphany mean? A, 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 you know, an epiphany. It's like when you have an epiphany. 
okay, yeah. It was it's, just, just, no, just a revelate, a revealing of something. Yeah, just, something just, being revealed is what epiphany means. Yeah. <laughs> you seem annoyed by my definition. <laughs> it's called the manifestation of Christ to the Gentiles, sir. What is? That's what the epiphany really is. Well, but the word itself, that is the epiphany applied to Christ. Yeah, which actually means to re- reveal. To reveal. I just said that. Did you say that? I did, like three times and you stared at me, <laughs> mainly. Okay. Unbelievable. All right. So Isaiah. <laughs> so this is good. We have to we, we get to work through and figure out what the readings have to do with this. So Isaiah chapter 60 verse 1 says this. Now remember, we've talked exhaustively about Isaiah. I'm so sick of talking about Isaiah for some reason. Yeah. Oh, I know why I'm sick of talking about Isaiah. Did you just give a class? No, because we yeah, may have... We've we been have, talking about it for three weeks in a row. Right. Let's say that. Um, we have. No, I'm not sick of it. I love Isaiah profoundly. But... Just to recap, Isaiah eyes on you. split in two parts, Isaiah. right? There's the bad news and there's the good news. Bad news, you've sinned, you've broken the covenant, things are bad, you're going to lose your land and your kingdom and everything else, but God will set things right someday, and it's going to be amazing when it happens. 60 is in the midst of what's called the Book of Consolation or the Book of Glory. So it's talking all about what is it going to be like when finally the punishment for your sin is over, and it says this. There was much rejoicing. Rejoicing. <laughs> Arise. Or rise up in splendor, Jerusalem, your light has come. The glory of the Lord shines upon you. We've talked about that word glory. We talked about it last week in reference to the uh, shepherds, right? Yeah. The glory of the Lord um, is always the term when it shows up. Shekinah. It's it's the Shekinah. It's a reference to the glory cloud of the Lord. So what this is basically saying is the glory of the Lord is going to come back. Now, Mm -hmm. Isaiah confuses scholars tremendously because it bounces around in its time frame like crazy. So it uh, it it talks about the Israel's past. It looks at the present when Assyria is attacking the northern empire. Okay. It looks to the future when an enemy will eventually come and destroy them. And it will look eventually to the point where they will be destroyed. But that hasn't happened yet. Now, when the southern kingdom, when Jerusalem is destroyed eventually, which yeah. it will be, and the temple is obliterated by the Babylonians, Mm -hmm. the glory cloud will actually leave the temple. In Ezekiel, people witness the glory of God leave. It takes off. So what they believe about the temple eventually is that when they rebuild it after they come back from exile, it's empty. It doesn't actually have the presence of God. It's just a building that they put up to wait for God's presence to come back. Got it. And so Isaiah is talking about this day when God's presence will fully return. Now that's weird because it hasn't left yet. Yeah. He's pointing ahead to a time where it will leave and then eventually come back. So he's pointing ahead to a lot of things. But he's pointing to this time when the glory will come back. So the glory of the Lord will shine upon you. So see, darkness covers the earth and thick clouds over the peoples. But upon you, the Lord shines. And again, what they're going to feel like is certainly at the point when Jesus is born into history is that the Lord is not shining upon them. They are desolate. They have been abandoned by God. Everything is sheer darkness. This is why we got that reading what, a couple of weeks ago from Isaiah, the Christmas reading, right? Un- the people who sat in darkness have seen a great light. Yeah. This is unpacking that, describing what is that light going to be like? Well, it's going to be like the glory cloud returning to the temple. The Lord is coming back. Well, here, here's my question. is, um, Do you think that uh, where in Isaiah is the suffering servant? Do you know what chapters? Because I cannot remember. To <sighs> I want to say 12. 
Okay, yeah. Is the start. It's a series of chapters. Be- because I'm looking at this and I'm already seeing evidences of Christ. Yes. And, and, oh and, my and, gosh. And, and and like the the darkness of the eclipse of the crucifixion and the yes. the darkness at noon and Absolutely. The, but but the, the because the the sun had to be darkened so that you could see yes. the true light of the world. Absolutely. Kind of like like uh, our lady Guadalupe eclipsing the sun. Absolutely. And so I mean if you take that all these things that will happen, what's what will happen because of all this? Well, nations, the Gentiles, the goyim is the really what it says. It will walk by your light and kings by your radiance. Raise your eyes and look about. They will gather and come to you, your sons from afar and your daughters in the arms of their nurses. So what this is doing, so this is addressed to Jerusalem. But one of the things that's interesting, I think we've talked about this before. In the, in the Hebrew tradition, the kings embodied their people. Yeah. So you could speak about a king in terms of the nation. So when this is saying, oh, Jerusalem, you're going to rise up and you're going to be glorified and all this stuff is going to flock to you, Jesus is embodying his whole nation. So who do people flock to? Who do the kings come to? Who do other nations you know, come looking for? Jesus himself, who is the embodiment of the new nation of Israel. It all resides in him. And, and in fact, actually, all the nations, because they're going to come streaming right. towards the king. Exactly. Exactly right. Everything. Yeah. And the wealth of the—oh, I love this. The wealth of the nations shall be brought to you. Caravans of camels shall fill you. I mean, what mm. what's going to happen in a couple readings? Exactly. With camels and wealth and riches and all sorts of other stuff. And gold and frankincense. And mirror. And mirror. 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 So it's cool. Dude, yeah, that's good. That's the he's just seeing. That's our setup. He's just seeing clearly. Like, yeah, exactly. That's it. That's a good. You know, Isaiah is often called the fifth gospel. Yeah, because yeah. it is so explicit in the way it's speaking about. Christ. I got my eyes on you, Isaiah. Isaiah. Eyes, eyes. Is he eyes? Oh wow! I got my eyes on you, Isaiah. Nice work. Good so, job. Yeah, yeah. Thank Make you. Make it into a palindrome, and I'll be happy. <laughs> All right. <laughs> I will try for my onomatopoeia. <laughs> All right. To the psalm. Every nation on earth will adore you. So this is cool, though. So take what we just looked at in the first reading about all these things that are going to be embodied in Jesus and this new kingdom and the glory. Psalm 72 is, it's it's often called a messianic psalm, um, but it's a song about the anointed king. And it's it's pretty commonly understood that it was probably ascribed to Solomon as a prayer that was to be prayed over a king's um, crown, coronation. It's a coronation psalm. Mm. So it's the prayer that's going to be prayed as he is being crowned. And this particular psalm that is to be prayed as a king is being crowned is about every other nation on earth coming to adore this king, which is profound. So it's doing two things. It's looking back over the history of Israel and the way that the kings are crowned and what they had always hoped for, of their kings, which never fully came to fruition. And then how Jesus, again, is going to embody that and actually be the glory of God, who the nations are all going to come and actually adore. Mm. Not just lip service, but it's it's real. Yeah. So he's, he's bridging the two. He's bridging the past and the present and then the future as well in this psalm. Booyah. Boom. It's pretty cool. Yes. That is... Well, that did we just get through like two readings in six minutes? I hope so because we bantered for like twenty five minutes. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. But that but was yeah, like, that was like pure condensed I, awesomeness. It, it, but they're good. They're just yeah, right there. Queen of Sheba like, and Arabia, low hanging fruit. Yeah, low hanging fruit. Just kind of like you. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even know how to take that. I really don't either. know. I mean, I just we called you a fruit. Thanks, really man. All, all I did. You're a fruit. A low hanging fruit. Awesome. Hey, thank you. Should we talk about Ephesians? Yeah, you might have to could talk about Ephesians. I love talking about Ephesians. Because like I'm trying to, I'm trying. I think I have like a little bit of a sense, but um, but like, 
Okay, so Ephesians. Um, it's a short little reading. <laughs> Why are you laughing? I'm just laughing at you, man. Yeah, thanks, man. You're welcome. So it's a short little reading. Um, but here's... <laughs> Sorry. So Ephesians is a, a short little reading. <laughs> Sorry, I just spilled my Gatorade. That's why. Yeah, we're pausing. Yeah. So, so the um. No, the, it, this is the thing is that uh, I love a, Ephesians. Do you? Way. Yeah, I love it. I wrote an article for us about um, comparing Boulder to Ephesus. Oh yeah, that is. I uh, I uh, saw that you had done that. I have I haven't read it yet. I I'm, I'm not doing news. I'm not doing the newsletter this time, which makes me sad. You're not. No, no. Am I doing it? No. Oh. I heard Jacob Midget. Oh, doing it. You mean, yeah. 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 To make it happen. So He's cool. I, I read it before I design. So here's the bottom line. Ephesus was the the capital for what we would call like new age occult sort of stuff, right? Oh. So it was it was literally, that was the big business. This was where the um, temple to uh, Artemis was, which is one of the seven wonders of the world. Um, it's where, so in Acts of the Apostles, this is the place where Paul gets, gets, there's a riot started because, do you remember this whole thing? Yeah, did so, we, he was, uh, he was, uh, mistaken for a god. He was he? Was oh, no, 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 that, that, no was, that, that was, that was, that was, we talked about that. Uh, yeah. No, I don't remember why he started so a riot in Ephesus. The deal was, um, in Ephesus, Ephesus, so anywhere in the Roman Empire that you would want to buy, and these were popular, things that, you know, like a, a medallion or a, an amulet. Or spell books, you know, incantations. So this this whole idea, what we think of New Agey or a cult of trying to control the forces around us, spiritually manipulate things, right? That yeah. whole thing, worshiping crystals and all that stuff. Yeah. That was huge business in Ephesus. So if you had an amulet or one of these spell books or anything, chances are it was produced in Ephesus because that was the big business. That was their commerce. So when Paul shows up and starts convincing people to actually throw these things on the fire and get rid of these amulets, all the business people flip out and they say, that is our livelihood. And they start going crazy and there is a riot in the city of Ephesus over this stuff. Um, Ephesus is also fascinating, though, because it's the place where, despite all the craziness and spiritual out-of-controlness, this is the place where Paul goes. He puts Timothy as pastor there, his best guy. John, the beloved, goes there. He takes Mary there. Mary sp- spends her last days there. Apollos is there. I mean, all the biggest superstars of the church go to Ephesus. And actually, one piece of this. So Mary, the place where we believe Mary lived her final days mm-hmm. was this little house. And John Paul II went there. Benedict went there and prayed in this spot. But it's this little house that was actually on a, on a hill overlooking the temple to the goddess Artemis, which was this, one of the seven ones of the world. Artemis held the titles the mother of heaven and earth, or the mother of all, the queen of heaven and earth, no. the blessed, um, the blessed, mo- the blessed mother, things like this. All of those titles were applied to the goddess Artemis. So imagine Mary on a little house overlooking this place, seeing it every single day, praying for it. It's it's profound. It's a beautiful scene. Wow, so I you never can, knew about that. Oh yeah. So you can imagine this, and that's where that's why the Council of Ephesus was later held there which is where they declared Mary as the Theotokos, the Mar- the mother of oh, God. Oh, dude. That's why the church chose to go there. Context is everything. Oh, it's everything. So if you picture that, and then you imagine, so last week, was it last week? We talked about um, uh, Colossians and the idea of Gnosticism, so this idea of secret hidden knowledge, to tap into the crystals and these spells and things, because they wanted to tap into the spiritual realities. So take that context. Now listen to what Paul says. Okay. This is brothers and sisters. You have heard of the stewardship of God's grace that was given to me for your benefit. Namely, that the mystery was made known to me by revelation. 
So basically, Paul has just said to a people who are huge into spiritual secret spells and stuff that there are mysteries that was made known to him. He's talking like one of the Gnostic teachers. Hey, there's secret hidden knowledge, and I know it, and you can come to me if you want to get it. Because oh, that's what they're saying. It has been revealed it's to me. It's been revealed to me. It wasn't known to people in other generations, but now it has been revealed to his holy apostles and prophets by the Spirit. So he's setting you up. There's like, And actually, they cut out a little bit. Let's see, three, uh, let's see, chapter three. Um, How the mystery was made known to me by revelation, as I have written to you briefly. When you read this, you can perceive my insight into the mystery of Christ, if I do say so myself. <laughs> it wasn't made, isn't that great? That's awesome. If you read it carefully, you'll perceive my insight. Um, it wasn't made known to anybody else. All this stuff. So he's sending them, it's like a trail. They're picking up the trail. They're like, okay, what is it already? He's, yeah. he's set you up. He says, okay, here is the, the mystery of the church. That has been revealed to me that nobody in the past understood. The prophets didn't know this. And all these teachers, they never saw this. But it is that the Gentiles are now co-heirs and members of the same body and co-partakers and, yeah, co-partners in the promise of Christ through the gospel. So what's the secret? What is the secret mystery hidden through the ages? It's you and me, essentially. It's the fact that the likes of us have actually been grafted onto the family tree of Israel, that we have actually been partakers now. Unbelievably enough. And the Ephesians are all probably Gentiles. They're pagans, converts who have been grafted onto the tree. What's the mystery of the ages? He's saying, it's you guys. You're it. Which is really profound. Yeah. That the nations are now a part of the family of God. That the, that was the project is to yeah. draw all. Yes. And it's not a new. And what the readings this week are showing us is that this isn't just out of the blue. This is a new project God is doing. He didn't just change his mind. This has been set up from the beginning. This was always the plan. You can see it in Isaiah. You can see it in the Psalms. You can see it all the way back in Genesis. You've been seeing that this is progressive revelation. And that's in some sense, like you can read even as as um, as he's talking, he says it was made known to be my revelation. Now, you yeah. could just you could just tweak that. And like if you're hearing that and you're wanting secret knowledge, you're like, this guy's got this special exactly. revelation. Exactly. But, but we read it and we go, no, it's been in the scriptures. Yes, it's this public. Exactly. It's this totally public thing. So he's actually yeah. playing them. He's totally playing them, which is why I love this. He's we- brilliant. In his letters, which leads us, are you are you done? I'm ready. I'm done. Because because it's uh, it leads us directly into the Magi. Yeah, I mean like because the the totally. Gentiles totally. being called forth, like now we we've got these um um uh, I was about to cancel. Okay, hold on. Uh, <laughs> I, I take your time. My app on my phone, I accidentally pressed play because it'll your onomatopoeia app. My onomatopoeia, your palindrome app. My palindrome app is going to read the readings in palindrome. That was a song of the, whatever. Okay. There was also a They Might Be Giant song called I Palindrome I. <laughs> Do you remember that? No, I don't know what? that one. You didn't. You knew They Might Be Giants, right? Oh yeah, yeah. Okay. Build a little birdhouse in your, your soul. soul. Don't make point to okay. Um, so, I love the cosmology surrounding the Magi. But before we get to the before we get to the cosmology, can you tell me a little bit about the Magi? Oh, well, yes. Why don't you actually tell us something, Father? <laughs> uh, well, <clears throat> well, there's this is this is like um, uh, this is there's some speculation. I mean, ultimately, we can't, yeah, there's we, I know there's some different we, different we, thinking out there. We, we can't really ultimately know who the Magi are. Right. I mean, they're, they're probably they're, not kings. They're, they're probably not kings. Um, but uh, there is speculation that ultimately they were disciples 
Oh, yes, the, I've the heard this. Dis- yeah. Disciples of Daniel. Isn't yeah, it Daniel? It, that's what the, yeah, that's what the guess is. See, I don't know this very well. You know this better than I do. Or that they had read Daniel well, extensively, well, or, or that well, they're actually disciples. They're disciples because Dan- really? Daniel, at the end of his life, ends up leaving and going to um, uh, Persia somewhere. Uh, well, his, yeah, he uh, worked for the king of Persia. The king of Persia. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, well, it's, okay, I, I always forget the story. So Daniel was taken into Babylon by the Babylonians. He was served at the hands of Nebuchadnezzar. Yes. Then Nebuchadnezzar died. The Persian king Cyrus I took over, and he worked for Cyrus I for briefly. And Daniel, while he's there, he, I mean, he's he's like the man. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He, it, was, he was the equivalent of what Joseph was in Egypt in the Old Testament. Absolutely. No, that's not true. Wouldn't, but he was a big deal. Yeah, he wasn't that big. No, no. I misspoke, but he was big. The dude was huge. And yeah, so yeah. as you're going along, you're going to attract certain individuals, especially in courts. Yeah. And they're going to be looking and they're going to be trying to understand, like, what do you got going on? Uh, and so, I, I and of course, a man of the Lord is going to want to share the truths of, of yes. what he knows about the Lord. Yeah. And so, yeah. um, oh, that so, makes sense. so there's some speculation that the Magi were actually folks hmm. who had access to huh. scriptures. Yeah. That, yeah. That, that Daniel would have had enough influence in the kingdom and money to be able to afford and to be Which able that's to. That's probably in, a fair. And to be able to guess. interpret. And so, uh, but I'm sure that he was actually handing these things on. Yeah. And these Magi were living a life enough to where they were scholarly to, yeah. to investigate the scriptures and, and, and uh, learn about the prophecies of. Uh, th- that were coming to reveal this yeah. king. Yeah, yeah. Um, which which are pretty specific in Daniel. Which are very specific in Daniel, and um, which, which I which I'm not going to go through here and now. Mm-hmm. I actually would rather deal with kind of what 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 led the Magi to really get this far. Yeah. Um, I uh, I got I got turned on to um, to uh, uh, you can go to a website BethlehemStar.net. Oh yes. And uh, and this guy goes through the cosmology of uh, of the realities that w- were happening in a stellar capacity, right? Which uh, you you can work backwards. We mentioned in the first reading as as we were looking at Isaiah about all these nations streaming towards the true light that was in the midst of darkness, yes. and how um, you have an eclipse on the day of Jesus's crucifixion. Yes. What if you? Which is crazy. What if you actually look right around that time and look for an eclipse in that region at that time? Can yeah. you? Can you work backwards? Yeah, you can. There was a crazy eclipse, and so you fi- you find yourselves just about um, three BC, um, which we were talking about last week in the uh, or two weeks ago in the the um, Quirinius's um, right uh, his um, his survey his yeah, uh, his census census. And so, so, so the speculation is right around um, three BC uh, that Jesus was okay. born, which would correlate to a really interesting stellar event that would that would be perceived from Babylon. Okay, uh, which would be there is a Jupiter, which was considered the king's the king's planet, the wandering star. Why the king's planet? It, just because it's the brightest. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah, fair enough. Then there's an then there's another there's another one that um uh there's another star in the sky that the the Romans named Rex, and Rex was in the constellation of Leo, and it was at the foot of uh the foot of Leo, um so Leo in the constellation is kind of sitting down, and Regulus is as the king was the brightest one in that, so you have Jupiter coming along and it's a wandering star, and uh it actually begins uh. 
a conjunction on Rosh Hashanah in 3 BC. You, okay. you have the king planet and the king star being in conjunction. Whoa. Yeah. So, so, Whoa. so as an astronomer, as a man who's, as, as men who are looking up into the sky, you're going like, whoa, this Royal is- flush. Oh, <laughs> yes. No. Now what's happened is um, we know that in the planets, what ha- because, because of the way that the sun, I mean, the earth moves and the other planets move and we're all spinning around the sun, mm. there's a thing called retrograde motion. So okay. they, they, would, they would didn't understand retrograde motion. They just saw that these stars were kind of erratic in the right. sky. Sure. So Jupiter goes in conjunction. It moves out of conjunction. And over the next nine months, it crowns, it, it, it goes around Regulus okay. three times. Okay. Which we know that, that because of the nature of superlatives, you, mm. you have you don't have good, better, and best. You've got good, 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 and yeah. good, good, good. Yeah, yeah. Holy, holy, holy. Right. And so they see this three, and they're going like, "What is going?" They're seeing this thing happen, and they're they're actually not that far. So, um, as we're looking in the scriptures, if we follow Jupiter, then they actually begin to track the star and move towards Jerusalem oh, okay. because it's moving faster through the sky. Wow. So when we by the time that wow. we, we get to Herod and and they're like they're like okay when did the star appear they're actually pointing to real events because everybody's tracking this stuff. right right um and uh and it's it's just it's just pretty awesome wow as you're going on um wow that's nuts isn't that isn't that phenomenal yeah there's there's some other crazy details and like um um oh yeah yeah so sorry so nine months later. What ends up happening is it goes into a conjunction again with uh, with Venus, and Venus it actually makes a little figure eight. It looks like a little pregnant woman. <laughs> really? Yeah, absolutely. And um, uh, and so I think that it's it's at that moment that it goes in conjunction with Venus that they decide to to go. Wow. Um, because uh, because nine months later it'd be July, which would give them time to travel from Babylon by camels and dromedaries and such and get into Jerusalem around December. Right. Because by December you have um you have um uh uh, uh, uh Jupiter right above Jerusalem. Okay. But because of the path of the star it then ultimately then goes south. So that while they're in Jerusalem, they're tracking the star, and it takes them south to Bethlehem. To Bethlehem. But it goes into retrograde motion as they're looking at Bethlehem and appears to stay still right above the city. Which is actually what it says in uh, what, what, verse 2 or something. Yeah, the star preceded them and stopped over the house. Yeah, so they're that's crazy. So, so it, it basically, what ends up happening is is that they're following Jupiter. Now, what's what's super cool is that um, is that they're um, it says uh, uh, and you Bethlehem, land of Judah, are no no by by no means the least among the rulers of Judah, since from you shall come a ruler, um, and uh, the the wow. uh, oh yeah, and so they're all like freaking out about this this thing and they they end up there and i just love this wow. because what because what we're seeing is that they're reading uh, i think it's saint is it saint augustine who says the or i can't remember who said this i am so bad at quoting people um there's two books of revelation the book of nature and the book of scripture yeah it yeah uh what, what no no that's the quote i, I it's i've heard different ideas about who originally 
stated that, but yeah. Yeah, yeah, like Al- Albertus Magnus or something. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I always Albert thought it was an ancient Jewish, it was a rabbinic concept. Oh. But anyway. Oh, well, see, that, that, I think that's even, even preceding that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Better. I mean, it, it is. It is. Because it, it, kind of, it kind of moves beyond this nature of... Of yes. um, of saying that we're we're merely restricted to this that in fact yes. that there is a sacramental domination not domination a, a sacramental um, sovereignty yeah. that God has over all things that the that that the plan of the stars and the movements of the heavens and the spacing and the timing of everything is totally at the service of the Lord yes and and that that's, and that that's actually th- those who are paying attention can actually reach out and have actual grace that's crazy. Yeah, that's incredible. And, then, and who's reaching out and grabbing it? It's the it's the other nations. Yes, that's who's actually doing this and accessing this grace. Wow. And then then it's um, then it's approximately thirty years later. You have an eclipse on the day where Jesus oh, is crucified. Oh, so that's crucified. how you track it because of the thirty. Yeah. And so then you have Quirinius, and then and then you have these things, and then you have the full lifespan of Christ. Why wouldn't it be stellar 33? activities? I, I think it is thirty. I, okay. I, it's thirty thirty three. I can't remember which one it is. I, okay. I, I think it is thirty three. Okay. Which is just totally. It's totally crazy. It's yeah. totally worth watching the Star of Bethlehem. What's the website again? Uh, Bethlehemstar.net. Okay. That's nuts. That's awesome. Yeah. Now here's something interesting. Okay. I just noticed this as you were as you were speaking. So Mary and Joseph, uh, when it says the uh, what is this around verse nine or so, um. They are in a house now. So remember in Luke last week when we mm-hmm. were looking at it, they were, were talking about the cave. What is he actually oh. being born in? Is it a house? Is it a cave? Now they're actually in a house, which is different. So we talked about where, how long they stayed in Bethlehem, which is a little bit unclear. But isn't it? I, I don't. I don't know what that means. Maybe you know. It, historically, we talked about the Katalama, the place where they, he was born, which was usually a little cave underneath a house. So maybe they've moved upstairs now or something, or maybe they just got a house because it cleared out after the census. I don't know, but it, but they've made it a, a tiny bit more permanent here. So they're actually in a house now. But I do love the the response. So if you think about the star as, or the, the cosmology as this background, and then you see these wise men, they go and they actually lay prostrate. They don't just greet him or anything. They lay prostrate before him, which is a huge statement to lay prostrate before a baby. I mean, this was, this was very clear what they were doing. Um, you mentioned also, it's just the last kind of interesting note, you mentioned the, the Queen of Sheba at the beginning. Yeah, I don't yeah. know why you mentioned the Queen of Sheba, but you did. <laughs> I mean, the uh, the idea of nations and kings and Solomon. Yeah, it was. Well, it was. Yeah, it was in the um, uh, Psalm. Was she mentioned? Uh, yeah, just uh, the idea. The, Sheba, the the, the oh, place of Sheba. That's even better because I was remembering the Queen of Sheba when she came to visit Solomon. This is in First Kings chapter ten. She brought spices and gold, gold and large amounts of spices to bring oh. to King Solomon to pay him homage. Oh, which I just thought was a really neat connection that I, I just noticed now. Yeah, that's pre- that's particularly awesome. Yeah, isn't it? Yeah. Hmm. Oh man. Yeah, they prostrated and did him homage. They opened their treasures. They offered the gold rings and some Yeah. And then they go home. I, isn't it great how they? I, I just yeah. got it. I had to chuckle reading this because you get to the end of the reading and it's like, and then everyone went home. <laughs> and that was that. <laughs> it just wraps it up in a nice little package for you. Yeah. And that's that. The Christmas season is over. <laughs> the Christmas, um, the 12 days are over. The no, is the Christmas season kind of over at Epiphany? Yeah, yeah. I think it's only like a couple of weeks. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so then Epiphany then sort of ends And we go back into ordinary time yeah. now. So they went home. 
And that was that. <laughs> then they <laughs> then they went home. Isn't that great? That's just the best, man. Yeah. yeah and and uh, wow. I, yeah. There's so many details of this stuff. I, I feel feel like I. I mean, I just gave a you know such a brief overview of like that's the stellar activity. I'm gonna put a link on our Facebook site to. Uh, yeah. To the star. Because then stuff. you can you can read the study. You can check it out. And it's really cool. It's really cool stuff. Man. Well, the epiphany. What? To, how how long is this podcast? About forty. Are you kidding me? This just this under. felt so short for me today. 38. I'm only 36. Ah. ah. So so to summarize this all. <laughs> so to sum. So to summarize, this, that the, the glory of the Lord draws all people. Mm. And that if people, if you're paying attention, if you're awake, if you are reverent, yes. then and whether that be following the truth in the intellect or following truth and just actual grace of just Letting the Lord speak to you in your daily life and taking that seriously and following the promptings of the Holy Spirit, you will find the Lord. But the key is having your eyes open. It's the key is having and your eyes open. And the key is also, I mean, this. I think this is the other thing that Pope Francis is both really beautiful with and frustrating people, is he's very conscious of the fact that other people may very well have their eyes open as well. And I'm sure it would have been a shock for people to see these these wise men come from other countries. Well, who are they? You know, what are they doing? But if others have their eyes open, God is going to lead them into the church. He's going to lead them into the truth. And so we have to hope and pray and expect that God is going to open people's eyes to see this stuff as well. And and assist them because this is yes. the thing is, is it's like Daniel. He knew the one them. true God and yeah. he, he had disciples, but man, these guys had to ultimately, they, I mean like the, and they, maybe it was disciples of disciples of disciples that yeah. they had handed this tradition down of where this was going to come. And, and then it was the preparation and it came to fruit far beyond what they were even under, yeah. understanding it in a more magnificent and profound way than they could yes. have ever predicted. Yes, absolutely. So if you see something in the sky or you see something profound, it is for you. Mm. It is a gift for you. And that the Lord would create an entire planet to guide you for one brief moment. That's crazy. I mean that is that's the that's the crazy and promiscuous love of the Lord. That's awesome. That's cool. Yeah. So remember, there's your epiphany. Ah, I have I epiphania. Yeah, <laughs> I don't even know. I'm just saying. So. That was good. I'm gonna take it. Keep it real. All right. Find us on Facebook. Send us an email. Thank you guys at thomascenter.org. We're on Facebook. I'll post the stuff for the star. You can create um, uh, fake Twitter accounts on great. our behalf. That would be great. Tweet, tweet very appropriate things. Good. I'm in. And um, that's that. Okay. So we'll see you next week, everybody. God bless you. God bless you. Bye-bye. Bye. The Word on the Hill is a production of the Aquinas Institute for Catholic Thought here in beautiful Boulder, Colorado, www.thomascenter.org. You can also send us an email at lankyguys at thomascenter.org. See you next week.